Hello and welcome to today's edition of the Business Excellence Podcast. My name is Rail Bricker, coming to you from Perth, Western Australia. And with me, as usual, my co-host from Brisbane, Australia, Lindsay Adams. Hello and welcome. For a value added extra, excellencepodcast.com has heaps of free resources for you to download. That is excellencepodcast.com. And our special guest today is Victoria Lee coming all the way to us from London. Victoria is the CEO of 100 Pound Social, which is a low-cost social media and marketing agency. Welcome, Victoria. Thank you for having me on. So, um, Victoria, we're chatting before we start, as we always do, of course, and, and you mentioned that uh, you're, you're working with a company that doesn't have an office and your team are distributed all over the place. Um, how do you feel this, this setup has really impacted uh, your management choices and maybe even benefited your staff? I mean, it's, um, it's not, I guess, not all that common yet. It's not uncommon anymore, I guess, to have um, people all over the place working from home because of our current, you know, the pandemic situation. Yeah, I think it put us in a pretty good position for tackling COVID um, because we we had that set up from the outset when we started as a business in 2017. For us, it's just never made sense to have an office or a headquarters. Um, all, the work can be done in pe- by people in different time zones. We work predominantly with writers and editors who can you know, quite happily do their work at mid- when I'm fast asleep at midnight. Um, for the team as well, it means that we've got a wider access to talent because we don't have to nail down into one particular geographical location when we're looking for new team members. We can we, we predominantly recruit just people from the UK for the main team and then for our wider writing and editing team, we work with people, anyone uh, in English-speaking countries, any writers and editors. Um, so I think for us, it's just given us a lot more flexibility. Uh, the type of business we are, it's allowed us to grow quicker um, and it's obviously kept down costs as well because we don't need to have that office and we don't need to, um, you know, really, really try hard to find, recruit people in specific geolocations. Okay, so so my passionate area that I'm passionate about is corporate culture and creating culture. So so four years in, two years of a pandemic, how have you managed and created a culture with such a remote and diverse workforce? That's a really good question. Um, So before the pandemic, we had had, uh, one employee. So before the pandemic, it didn't feel like such a a big thing to be getting together team meetings because we were so small and we've now increased so we've got a much larger team and now we're getting to the end of the well what we hope is the end of the towards the end of the pandemic um and we're starting to think about again how we can you know meet actually have physical real meetups we're planning on meeting up every six to 12 months uh, as a team physically in one location in the uk Aside from that, what we've been doing today is we have regular company meetings, we have a Christmas get-together all via Zoom, obviously. Um, Having that company culture is definitely a challenge when you're in a remote company. I think you have to work hard. There's a huge amount of resources out there. So there's companies like Buffer, uh, which is a social media scheduling platform, and they're a completely remote company, and they publish 
lots of blogs and resources about how they manage that remote team and make it work and how they keep that company culture. So I think if you're trying to do something like we are, it's important to do your research, read up on what works, what doesn't work for the team. We've got a core team of five people and then we've got a wider team of writers and editors of about 25. So how do you have the morning coffee conversation or, the you know, it used to be called the water cooler conversation how do you have those casual conversations when you spread all over the joint? It's definitely more difficult. So we use Slack, which um, is a kind of WhatsApp version for work. Um, um, so we all have, we have a channel where we say hi and we just have general chats, tell each other what we've been up to. When we're going off for lunch, we let each other know that we're going to be, you know, off for, off for a bite to eat. Um, so we use that for general chit chat. And then we've got different channels on chat on Slack where we talk about, you know, we've got a marketing and sales channel, we've got a custom service channel. Um, and those are the places where we try and recreate, I guess, those water cooler conversations. But it's not the same. It's it's you de- you definitely have to schedule in really definite meetings to make sure you end up having those conversations. In some ways, that's difficult because you, you're not going to have those spur of the moment chats and kick ideas off each other. In other ways, it's a huge. You know, from my point of view, it's much more productive. I've worked in an office in the past, and I can't tell you how much more work I do when I can get my head down. Um, when I'm working from home versus being in an office. But I think it's it, it takes a certain type of people as well to be happy with that work. So do you think that, um, you know, uh, Microsoft, I believe, when they sent all their staff home, their productivity went up 20%. Wonderful. But do you reckon that people are overworking now because they're spending, because they've got all this, you know, they're at home and they're just kind of chained to their computer, nothing else to do, I might as well do some more work? Is that? I think it's the opposite. If you look at, um, from me, kind of from my personal point of view, from people I know in London who prior to the pandemic were commuting for at least two or three hours a day, getting to the office and getting home again, and suddenly their commute is from their bedroom to their office or their living room, um, they've freed up so many hours in their day. So maybe you do end up doing 15 minutes, half an hour extra work in the day, but you, you actually end up being a lot more productive in that time. And then you've got a huge amount more free time because you've freed up that commuting time i suppose in their free time you can go and enjoy that english sunshine can't you what what day of the year is that again (laughs) i think that's no day of the year sadly (laughs) i heard they had a good summer one tuesday (laughs) Tuesday. (laughs) Um, okay so you started your business um you know you you started it obviously with you okay (laughs) and and no money and so a couple challenges there that I want to, you know, explore with you. The one is your own branding and how you brought yourself and your brand image into the business and and then how you grew it with no money. I mean, having having been down that road myself as a startup entrepreneur a couple of times, um, when your bank account is drained zero, it is a bit challenging. You know, how did you deal with those two things? So if I start with the branding point of view, um, in the beginning, the way that we found clients was kind of through me. So through my personal Facebook profile, reaching out to people, posting on Facebook groups, and through my personal LinkedIn profile, again, networking and reaching out to people. So our first 30 clients came on board completely through my personal profiles. That's 
for small businesses, the CEO or the owner's brand is really, really important. And this is part of the service we now sell to our customers because it works so well. So we have a LinkedIn lead generation service um, where we basically reach out to our clients' prospects through LinkedIn to get them new business meetings and new business leads and inquiries. We use that service from our own business and we get 70% of our new inquiries through that service, which is the service that we sell. And that service was developed right at the beginning when I started manually doing that kind of outreach and realized how effective it was. So on the personal branding, my personal brand is still a big part of the company, but obviously at this stage, we're trying to diversify our marketing a bit and making it trying to make it less dependent on me. For a small business with kind of two to three employees, I think the CEO's brand has to be the key marketing route because you've got to have trust in that individual in order to want to work with that business. Does that answer the first question? Yep. Yeah. yeah awesome. And the second question was about uh, funding. So in the I previously ran another marketing company um, and basically I kept doing that until this company was making enough money to quit and finalize everything with my last clients and then the other company so this company obviously at the beginning it didn't make a huge amount of money but it, at the point that it made enough money that I could quit the other job I focused on it full-time and it's been a case of building it up from there we're lucky because we've got that large writing team which obviously started out as a small team of writers and as we've brought more clients on board we've increased and grown that writing team so the company's overhead costs have increased as the team has increased that, uh, sorry the client base has increased so so okay so so now i mean you've you've we've skirted around a little bit of what you do the social media the lead generation now i get probably 10 people a day no not a day a week maybe knocking on my linkedin door saying i'm the world expert in lead generation and i'll generate you you know 10 times your business and blah 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 um and most of them i just ignore Okay, mm-hmm. what b- besides your fact that you put the low cost words into it, you know, what do you do? I mean, you know, and you don't have to give me the trade secrets, but but what do you do and, and why is it successful for your clients? Yeah, sure. So we offer three plans as a business. So we've got our social media posting plan and that costs 100 pounds per month. So about 130 US dollars. That plan, we uh, you have a dedicated writer and editor who write your social media posts for your company and publish them. That, then the second plan we have is a blog article writing plan. So again, you commission blog posts, you have a dedicated writer who writes those posts for you and that's going to help your SEO and also benefit that social media content. And then the third plan is the lead generation plan, which we hopefully don't do like those people who've approached you on LinkedIn and you've deleted their messages. Um, The goal of that plan is to network for our clients, get them introductions and get them into profitable conversations. It's not about hard selling to people um, because that absolutely doesn't work. The reaction to that is your reaction, which is to hit the delete button. So how do you get people interested? I mean, you know, lead generation is a tough old game and there's a lot of people out there doing it. Um, what makes you guys different? So lead generation is often mistaken just to be kind of cold outreach and something where you just identify people who look like good opportunities and you tell them what you do and then see if they want to bite. But that's not really how it works successfully. Successfully, you've got to build up that background. So you've got to have a really good, if you're using LinkedIn for lead generation, you've got to have an awesome LinkedIn profile. 
You've got to have regular content that you're regularly posting and publishing to LinkedIn to build up that trust and authority. And when you are approaching people, it's got to be valuable to them, not just to you. So you've got to make those introductions. You've got to be providing value for the other person. And when it's relevant to the conversation, you can tell them what it is you do if it seems like it's something that it will help them with. Where it all goes wrong with lead generation is when people don't properly identify their targets and when they just go in for the kind of hard sell straight away without first sussing out if the person's even interested. So it's an interesting one. You just said when they identify, identify their target. So I guess it's really important to understand who your avatar is or your target market. Exactly. So when we bring our clients on board, we have a 10-day onboarding process. And the, what we do in that process is take them through getting they fill out an onboarding form and it basically the end result is they've told us exactly who their target market is exactly who their target clients are from our clients point of view a lot of them come back and say to us this really helped me because you made me work through by filling in this form and think about every aspect of the people that I'm targeting so the goal is to really get them to know by the time they finish that onboarding process who they're targeting because for a lot of small businesses and we work with businesses typically with you know zero to three employees for a lot of those businesses they have never done that exercise and they're kind of thinking marketing we need to reach our audience without necessarily knowing who that audience is and that's always the first step you can't market successfully without knowing who you're trying to reach you know i've um spoken um you know at many small business events and um it's interesting when you ask someone who's your target market and you often get the response oh i can work for anyone yeah uh, which may well be true. However, the more targeted, I guess, the, the more accurate, the more, you know, you're going to focus your, your spend, aren't you? Yeah, of course. And there are a lot of companies that probably could work for everyone. But at the end of the day, if you approach somebody in a specific industry and say, I work for everyone, they're not going to think, oh, well, this person is a specialist who can specifically help me. So you need to identify for each industry you want to target, what makes you really appealing to that industry? And then when you're putting your sales pitch together, you need to make them understand why you are the specific person who's the best hire for their industry. If you don't do that, you're going to really decrease the response and conversion rate. And that's, again, a big mistake we see some of our clients try and do, and we have to direct them to help them get that target market together. Your, and most of your business is based in the in the business to business space. I, I would guess. I mean, we we're not talking about consumer marketing here. No, you're correct. Yeah, about ninety eight percent of our clients are B two B. We've got a couple of B two C here and there. Okay, and so so from all that, you know, what insights would you you know we've spoken about target marketing. What other insights would you you put out there for businesses looking? to grow their business, to grow their leads? Yeah, I think identifying the social media platforms that you need to be on. Um, a lot of B2B businesses either neglect social because they assume it's for B2C companies and they don't need it, when actually LinkedIn currently brings in about 80% of leads for B2B businesses. Absolutely true for my business. It brings in about 70 to 80% of our new business leads just through LinkedIn. So identifying where your audience hang out on social media and making sure you are active on those platforms and investing time and resources in those platforms, I think is the biggest thing for B2B companies is that are often missing out on the next thing would be getting a cohesive strategy and help together 
Again, I'm thinking here about very small companies, which we typically work with, who typically are going to be a one-man or two-person two band who don't necessarily have the strategy behind what they're doing and they do need some kind of outside help um, from some kind of marketing help at the beginning because nobody can be an expert at growing and scaling your business and a marketing expert. And, and so, okay, we're talking, you know, you mentioned social media in there and, and posting on social. You know, how often should you be on social? Or, you know, should you be on and to the point where your colleagues are going, it's enough now? Or, you know, what is the optimal number for, for building brand and credibility? Is so, yeah, if somebody's told you that they've seen you enough, it probably means you're on there too much. Uh, we we tend to see it's different across each platform. Uh, on LinkedIn, which again, most of our clients are on, we tend to see that three posts per week is the optimal number. If you go above three, you might be getting in people's faces too much. If you go below three, you'll get to the point where there'll be some connections who will not often see you appear on the platform. So three a week on LinkedIn. Facebook, roughly three a week. On Instagram, you can definitely go up to five per week. On Twitter, you could go up to five per day, but Twitter isn't the most powerful marketing platform that I'd recommend. I mean, how popular, I mean, Twitter is very popular, but how popular is it for marketing? I mean, it's one that I've never really embraced myself. It's, it's a really challenging one because to make Twitter work, you as an individual have to personally be very, very active. You can't really outsource Twitter to somebody else. So it takes a lot of time and it takes a massive time investment to actually build up that following, build up those interactions. You've got to not only be tweeting, you've got to be interacting with other people to build that network. It can work and there's loads of examples where it does work. But for me, as a business owner with limited time and resources, I don't see why you'd invest in Twitter when you can go on LinkedIn and get the better return on your investment in half the time. So what about that evil thing called Clubhouse? Uh, it was very popular for a while there. It seems to have, I don't know, whether it's disappeared again or is it, is it worth getting, uh, getting yourself involved there, do you think? I think it's worth getting involved if you have a personal brand. So if you're not necessarily a business way if you're let's say a leadership coach or um some kind some kind of company where it's always going to be you at the center of the business and the center of the marketing then definitely clubhouse it's about building that personal brand um i would say it's less powerful if you're trying to build out a company where the marketing doesn't necessarily depend on you or shouldn't depend on you in the long run yeah and my experience in clubhouse was that every second person put themselves out there as a coach and so, you know, there were coaches pitching to coaches when they shouldn't have been. It just made no sense whatsoever. Um, email marketing. I mean, are people's inboxes too full? I think email marketing is still a really, really powerful form of marketing. People, yeah, people's inboxes are too full, but people's social media feeds are too full. And marketing is essentially about putting yourself out there to try and get people's attention and email marketing is definitely something that every business should be doing um there's a lot a little bit more technical time and resources required when it comes to email marketing versus something like social media marketing but it's definitely something businesses should be looking at so there's part of the stuff that you do then list building so that you can actually begin email marketing no, we don't do we don't do anything to do with email marketing. We with social media, we could help clients run a campaign, for example, to push 
push prospects to a landing page to collect their email addresses to get them onto their mailing list, but we don't touch on the uh, email marketing side of things specifically. So what's the most, if you were, um, if you've got a limited budget and limited time, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, where would you, where would you um, focus if you had to pick one, which would be the most powerful? For me, it would be LinkedIn um, because I run a B2B business. Um, for anyone running a B2B business, I'd say LinkedIn. If you're running a B2C business, you need to do a little bit more research. If you're running a very visual product-based business, so selling a specific product, Instagram's probably best. If you're running a B2C services-based business, Facebook would usually be the stronger option of those. And we, we've spoken, you've spoken about the platforms and we've spoken about lead generation. We haven't really touched on marketing. I mean, on, on sorry, on paid advertising. How does that fit into that strategy? So paid, I see paid advertising, especially paid social advertising, is kind of the next step to the foundation of that on organic uh, social media work. So what we offer as a company is we offer that foundational organic content creation for social media, for blogs and the outreach through LinkedIn. You could move on to the next stage, which is paid um, social or paid advertising. We don't offer that as a company. We find that our LinkedIn lead generation plan actually gets a better ROI than paid adverts on LinkedIn. And that's why we've always focused on that. When you're looking to go to the next stage, when you've got a bigger marketing budget, paid advertising is definitely the next thing you want to be looking at. So is there any benefit in... in um paying extra for the the various levels of LinkedIn or is it just you stick with a free account and go with that? There's definitely benefits to LinkedIn Sales Navigator. So we ask all of our clients on our lead generation plan to have Sales Navigator. The reason for that is we can locate their ideal clients more accurately by using Sales Navigator. So Sales Navigator has different functions that you can search for people based on the headcount for the company they're working for so if you only want to be reaching out to people running companies with under 10 employees you'd need to have sales navigator to be able to find those people you couldn't do that with a free linkedin account so it is a powerful platform that is in my opinion worth the extra investment okay that's been quite fascinating because as i said i was almost put off the LinkedIn lead generation because I was smacked around the ears and you've brought it down to, to terms that actually make me think, oh, maybe that's a, a potential way to be going for, you know, for, for, for us and, and that it's not out of the reach of the average business, which is what I think you've brought to the party. Oh, good. I'm really glad. I think it's something that can be easily abused by the wrong people and that gets, can get it a bad reputation but it's, it's a really powerful method of lead generation and networking. So, Victoria, my job, uh, as well as being one of the co-hosts, is to keep an eye on the clock, and we are out of time. If our listeners wanted to get in touch with you and maybe invest £100 uh, to, to ramp up their social media marketing, what would be the best way for them to get in touch with you or if they just wanted to chat with you and get more information? So they can go to 100, that's the number 100, 100poundsocial.com. And if you get to go through the website, you can easily book a call with us, contact me directly, contact any member of our team um, and talk to us about how we can help you. So that's 100poundsocial.com. Thank you, Victoria. Thank you for sharing some great ideas with us. Um, 
and uh, some some really insightful stuff into you know the fact that you can use social media properly to generate some leads so thank you very much for sharing and inspiring some people i hope to run totally remote workforces and manage them quite successfully so thank you for being a guest today thank you for having me on the show this is rail bricker signing off for another edition of the business excellence podcast with a reminder to pop along to excellencepodcast.com where you can download some free resources to help you on your journey to excellence in both business and life.